0: Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of John chapter 6, verses 56 through 69. Jesus said, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, but many of the disciples heard it. They said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one who would betray him. And he said, for this reason, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the 12, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of our Lord.
1: I'm excited to be here today I get to uh, kind of brag about our youth so I'm pretty excited for that opportunity a few weeks ago I had the privilege of accompanying 21 senior high youth and adults to Sky Ranch Lutheran Camp in the Colorado Rockies after a year of cancellations and isolation we figured out a way to go on our long-awaited summer trip much of it was possible through the help and support of all of you and I am eternally grateful for that because it was a beautiful, beautiful time. There are too many moments to highlight here, but one that stuck out in particular was a devotion we did one night. Under star and firelight, we were instructed to write three things on a sheet of paper, a checkmark, a star, and a heart. Next to the checkmark, something you did well today. Today. Next to the star, something about your future you are excited about. Next to the heart, something about your personality you like. After we had written them down, our job was to tape them to our backs, our words facing in, with a blank sheet of paper facing out. Then we get to walk around to each other's sheets and write a check, a star, or a heart. On someone else what started off with people moving around very slowly the collective awkwardness of the ask palpable in the air soon devolved into a crowd of people with no discernible order writing lovely notes of encouragement tenderness and love all over each other's backs silence turned into loud exclamations from people wanting to share their words with others with the group I had missed this this energy from the group of people to be sure, but also the words of encouragement given from, by people who were friends, or acquaintances, or even more miraculous, people that they met that week. Even in times not highlighted by deep isolation, it seems weird to heap loving words on people you've met just days ago. But the culture we experience on the mountain it wasn't normal. We find Jesus pushing against culture in this text. At the beginning of this chapter in John, we meet Jesus being followed by great crowds, so big it takes a miracle to feed the thousands of them. But throughout this chapter, because of what he is saying, we see the crowd dwindle to 12 what could he have said that would make so many abandon his ministry? Well, we get a hint in verse 63 when Jesus says, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. A bad interpretation of this would equate this dismissal of flesh as a commentary on our earthly lives. That they don't matter. That the created world is some stopgap to eternal life in heaven. No, This is the gospel that boldly declares the word became flesh at its outset. Brian Peterson, a New Testament professor, gives us a better interpretation when he says rather flesh, here indicates the normal way of seeing reality, the way of viewing life judged to be sensible by the world, which cannot see that eternal life comes through the reality of Jesus on the cross life judged to be sensible by the world. It seems that Jesus is saying the normal ways aren't working, at least not for all, and they need to change. This causes a crowd of followers to dwindle to 12. I don't know about you, but I know this sensibility that Jesus is protesting. I feel it almost every day as the culture I live in. And breathe. An author who I have learned from her tenderness over the years, Tema Okun, highlights this sense in an article entitled Characteristics of White Supremacy Culture. The sense tells us to return as quickly as possible to our overprogrammed lives after a season of slowing down, to fill our calendars at all costs. The sense tells us that we are what we produce. That our contributions in school and society are what define our worth, and what we produce should always be moving towards perfection. The sense tells us things need to be done now. That our contribution in school and so- that are, that are, we need we need to see results as quickly as possible, which usually comes at the expense of long-term thinking, self-care, and the inclusive decision-making process. These are examples that have been judged sensible by our world. This sense would definitely say when your ministry starts with thousands and gets whittled down to 12, that your ministry is done. Now, Jesus had a nice run. He had some really great miracles, but ultimately ultimately, it's time to pack it in and try something else. But Jesus knows it's unpopular to publicly challenge the way this world works. He knows how this will end with him on a cross. But this is the ministry before him. I also can empathize with the crowd's reactions to his teachings in this chapter. Even though the power structures of that time didn't serve them, it's what they knew And just like today, what we know is so much easier to keep and treasure than the risk of the unknown. Yet God is again working life into apparent failure and rejection. We are reminded of this fundamental theological principle in this text. It's something that I am so very thankful to be reminded today in this age of virus variants. We are left with that reminder at the end of the text today. Twelve are left, including Judas, who will betray Jesus, and Peter, who will deny him. But, but we are told of a paradox of hope, that these twelve who choose to stay, Jesus has also chosen them. There will be times in this beautiful, hard journey of life where I am in in the crowd walking away from this message of life because the call is too difficult, because I can't believe what Jesus has said and is asking of me, because the sensible thing is to avoid the cross at all costs. But in those times, the paradox of hope is that God has chosen me just as God has chosen you, All of you. God has sealed it into the heavens that you are beloved in that call. It's a nonsensical idea to be sure, to put so much hope in a God whose earthly ministry ended on the cross and a resurrection seen by a few. But our world needs us more than ever to push against that sensible culture that refuses to deconstruct the unjust, My daily reminder of disrupting the sensible is the story, people, done by artist Brian Andreas, some of you may know him, that is hanging on my wall. My wife gave it to me when I was discerning my call to seminary. It reads, There are things you do because they feel right, and they make no sense, and they make no money. And it may be the real reason we are here, to love each other and eat each other's cooking and say it was good. I put it in my kitchen. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to bring youth from Plymouth halfway across the country to a camp on a mountain, all to walk around in the dark writing words of love. But maybe the real reason we are here, what God is calling us into, as a new way of being with one another. That is the gift of that trip, removing ourselves from our normal everyday culture and getting a glimpse of what it means to be a new community, one that walks with each other in the darkness and writes encouragement on each other's backs. Most weeks, we share a meal together here in worship, a little cracker, a swallow of wine, an ancient ritual that seems silly to be called a meal from its meager offerings. But it will feed me to go out in the world like no other meal can. Bread for the hard work of the unsensible. So next week, taste and know that it is good. Know that you have been chosen for this work. It will be hard for sure, but if you find yourself in the dark on a mountaintop, far from home, wondering if you can do it. Take a lesson from our youth. Look around, because you're not alone. This work can't be done alone. There are others of us walking around with a check mark, star, or heart to share with you on the journey. Amen.